I'm excited today to begin a new series. It's called Training in the Word. And I don't know if you're excited about that or not. Some people are not excited about training. But we are beginning this process of training. Training in the Word. There's all kinds of training, and we typically think of training as um, training so that we can, one thought is get in shape. I always kind of like that because I say, oh, come on, rounds of shape? <laughs> Why do I need training? And so we, we really want to begin with those of us who kind of look like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I don't need training. Everything's just fine. But really, do you want to be the shape that you're currently in, or wouldn't you like to improve your shape? And so I want to begin right there with point number one. Your shape is your choice. Your shape is your choice. So if you're not going to be training, <clears throat> you're choosing your shape. If you are going to be training, you're choosing to change your shape. And here's a way to get us started, and then I'm going to back it up with a truth that comes from God himself through the Apostle Paul. That's where we're going to begin, and then we're going to just see where this goes. So before we begin, consider this quote on the screen. You will either be conformed by the world or by the word. Sometimes we don't think about that, but that's true. There's nothing in between or outside of that. There's a conforming influence, and that conforming influence is going to shape you. We live in that conforming influence, and our option is to be conformed by the world or to be conformed by the truth. Now, that's not just a Jim Hammond idea. Paul wrote it in Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 reads this way. It's on the screen. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you're not real familiar with the New Testament, Paul wrote many, many letters. This is a letter that he wrote to Christians in Rome. That's why we call it Romans. When we approach chapter 12, it starts with a transition from all the doctrine he's been teaching about Jesus and now into uh, therefore. And then since this is all true, we need to then present our lives as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they had some training about dead sacrifices in a temple system. This living sacrifice helps us to literally be offering ourselves to God for training. And so we see here what happens after we offer ourselves to God for training. We do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So it's really a tension between what the world thinks is the right way to go versus what God says is the right way to go and God's will is in tension with the world and this pattern. And so um, there's a shape that we're aiming for and this shape is to be conformed closer and closer to God's will and there's a power that helps us. It's what he instructs us. So we're training in his instruction in God's word. And I want to connect all of the theology about Jesus, 
with verse 1 of we haven't read it, but verse 2, training in the word, is how that takes place, by being transformed by the renewing of the mind. So we're either going to be shaped by the word or shaped by the world. Now, Paul is not saying anything new here. Um, this was stated in the Old Testament through Moses, when God spoke to Moses and to, to tell the people, I don't want you to be like the Egyptians where I took you from. And I don't want you to be like the Canaanites where you're going to. I'm going to take you into this land. I don't want you to be like them. And I took you out of that land. And I don't want you to be like them. I want you to learn my will. And here's my will. And I want you to be shaped by my will and my words so that you'll begin to be conformed to my will. So that was pretty much a summary of the entire Old Testament. Okay? And, but it leads to Jesus that gives us the ability through his spirit now working within us to transform us from within to be more like Jesus. So we're talking about what's the shape that we're aiming for? We're aiming for the shape to look more and more like Jesus. Just like he trained in the word, we're going to train in the word. And just like he conformed to the will of his father, we want to conform to the will of the father. Jesus himself said, and so I'm moving from Leviticus 18, which I was just summarizing there. Leviticus, Leviticus 18, where it says explicitly through Moses to the people, don't be like Egypt, don't be like Canaan, don't be like the world. I'm going to train you how to be, okay? So let's think about this. He's going to train us how to be nonconformists, okay? Jesus also went that direction as well, training all of us to be nonconformists. When he said in the Sermon on the Mount, I'll use one phrase, don't be like them. That's found in Matthew 6, verse 8. Now, I happen to know enough people uh, and interact with enough people to know that the kind of nonconformity that Jesus calls us to frightens people. A lot of people would rather be normal. They don't want to go to the direction that Jesus is encouraging all of us to go. The nonconformist position that Jesus advocates is so radical that a lot of people are afraid of that. They don't want to be that kind of nonconformist. Many put labels on it. I don't want to be a Jesus freak. They put labels on it, and it frightens them. They'd rather fit in and be normal. And I just want to ask this. Look around you. Is normal really what you want to be? Now, I'm not asking you to look around here. Don't, don't look at your neighbor. Come on. <laughs> look at the news. Look at the world. Look at the entertainment industry. Here's the point. Normal isn't working. It should be obvious. And if normal isn't working, let's learn from Jesus. Jesus is teaching us a way. He said, and here's the truth. This nonconformity that I am teaching you about, very few will actually take me up on it. Very few will actually go through that narrow gate to enter into my kingdom. Most people will go through the broad gate and go on the broad road because they'd rather be with the crowd than go upstream against all of that and be nonconformist the way I'm describing. But Jesus is calling us, and I want us to be followers of Jesus 
and be nonconformists that follow him in such a way that we start to make the Jesus difference for others around us. And we experience this better way of life, this optimum way of living that we would never, ever want to veer off from because it is better. It's not easy, but it's better. And so we need to train in the word to learn what that looks like and to train our desires to think in these terms. So why bother with training in the word? It will shape you into the likeness of Jesus. So today's title is Why Bother? Why Bother Training in the Word? So in a sense, just with the title, today is motivational because I want to answer the why bother question and help you be motivated to enter into this training that is offered to us by Jesus and the Word of God. So I want to begin with why some people don't bother. Okay, why some people don't bother training in the Word. Some think that the Bible is ancient and no longer relevant. Some people think that it is confusing. Some uh, fear that studying it is, is way beyond them, and they, they fear it almost as much as a non-swimmer fears jumping in the lake. It's like, I can't jump in there. I don't get it. It's just like, ah, and they fear. They literally fear studying the Bible, which... You know, I studied it from the time I was little with the help of my parents, so I don't really get that one, but there's a lot of people that do fear studying the Bible. Some think that they don't have time, and they're too busy. Let me just say, all of us have the same amount of time every day. Let me just say, all of us are busy. Let me just say, we're running out of time. And if this is the most important thing that we can do to prepare for eternity, are you really want to say you don't have time? And some people think, I have my doubts about the Bible. Now, I understand all of these perspectives, but let me just say, I have good news for you today. It is relevant. It works. It's not too difficult to learn how to study. It's essential for optimum life, and it's reliable. Now, to get at this, I'm going to read an old story. You have probably haven't heard it. If you read Chuck Colson's book, Loving God, which I was surprised when I looked at the copyright. Golly, 1983? Can't have been that long ago that he wrote this. But here's a story tucked away towards the end of his book. It's about a friend of his named Dave, and Dave tells him the story. But we're going to pick up with Dave's place of business. He owned a really large accounting firm. And it's a story of his own transformation, but it begins with an employee of Dave's named Mr. Palouse. Palouse had made a dumb mistake, no doubt about that. He had been overly conservative and then had failed to tell the company's controller what he had done. Management didn't discover the adjustment until papers were filed with the Securities Commission for the stock offering too late to change it. Worst of all, Palouse had neglected to consult the AICPA Professional Standards of Accounting, a book he was supposed to know inside and out and follow it well. Now, I don't know if that's old, old news or new news or if that's what they still use, but in that day, it was like the accountant's Bible. Um, 
Had he done that, he would have discovered he didn't have to make the accounting adjustment that he did, an adjustment that unnecessarily forced the client company to have to wait one more year to offer a stock option that would have raised $7 million for their company. Can you imagine how this client was upset? A short time later, Palou sat before Dave, his boss, recognizing even before his boss said a word that he had better start thinking about his next place of employment. By the way, I've really shortened this story down. You might want to read the whole thing. Dave, his boss, did not spare him. After the introductory lashings, he became bitterly vindictive. He flipped open his desk copy of the AICPA, Professional Standards of Accounting. See this, Dave said. Do you see this? You don't have to go to Duke for eight years, Mr. Palouse, to read this. Any schoolboy can read it, but you seem to be one of those educated beyond your intelligence. Later that evening at home, Dave, the boss, was still tense and was replaying the ugly scene in his mind with Mr. Palouse. Then suddenly his own vindictive words took on new meaning. It was as if God was saying to him, Dave... Aren't you treating the Bible with exactly the same neglect that Palouse was treating the accounting Bible? You claim to be a Christian, Dave, but you yourself don't know the book you are supposed to know inside out as your guide to life. Dave was stunned into the realization that he was treating the Bible like some magazine, just flipping through, reading here and there, only as impulse moved him. He wanted spectacular results in his Christian life, but put in thoroughly mediocre effort. He would have to change or give it up. The Palouse incident prompted Dave to begin training in the word with intentionality. We are now ready for point number two. Don't expect spectacular results with mediocre training. Some of you are squirming. I squirm a little bit at that too. Because spectacular training takes effort. It takes time. It takes training. And that's kind of what this series is about, to motivate us for more spectacular efforts, <laughs> for spectacular results. Now, just in case this idea of training kind of goes cross-green with you with the idea of I've saved by grace, wait, what, this sounds like works. Just, just careful here. Um, I won't spend a lot of time here. Let's just go to Luke 6, verse 40. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher, and this is Jesus' words. Jesus is saying, you want to be like me? You need to be fully trained. Then you'll be like me. And then Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now it's time for us dads to start squirming. We're supposed to be bringing up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's consistent throughout the Bible. It is not the school's job to train your kid morally. In fact... It is not the school's job to train your kid in character. The next time your kid gets in trouble, don't side with your kid. 
be a part of the training process. So much of the teachers and administrations are so frustrated with parents that aren't training their kids. We need to train our kids. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, and there's a list here, but I'm just focusing in on training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. Now that word righteousness, let's just simplify it. It's just training in how to live right before God, how to live in God's will, how to do God's will and please God. That, that's what this training is about. Now, a lot of us expect magical processes. Like, I believe in God. I was baptized. I believe in Jesus. But nothing's changed. Yes, something has changed, but it requires some training and some obedience and walking with the Holy Spirit in the instruction of the Lord to bring about what God is describing to you as a new life, now made possible as you've made alive and spiritually alive to walk with him. Don't expect good results just because you believe. You need to train. Training God's word and training God's will. So how much do you really believe in Jesus if you don't actually practice what he says? If you don't actually know what he says or practice what he says, you don't trust Jesus. You're still running your own life, doing your own thing. Living out your own will when Jesus is teaching us over and over again to ask for your will be done, your kingdom come. We've got to learn what his kingdom is and what his will is and even be like Jesus and say, not my will, but your will be done and be trained and willing to follow in these things. So we're aiming for spectacular results and spectacular training, but guess what? We all have to start with point number three. Point number three is take baby steps. You won't be able to jump into spectacular training. You have to always start where you are and take baby steps from where you are and build from there. So right now, I'd like to read uh, 1 Peter 2, 2. I'm going to choose a different translation here, 1 Peter 2, 2. It's from the CSB. It reads, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Isn't that a strange set of words? Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Now I want to show you three things that we can learn from just this uh, verse, this one uh, piece of the letter that Peter wrote. Now I don't have this on your outline. You might want to jot it down. I'm going to put it all on the screen now, and then we're going to talk about it a bit. One, two, three, it's attitude. I need this. Two, appetite. I want this. And three, aim I'll grow from this, okay? So all of that is tucked away in 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn infants, we're gonna get a hold of the attitude of the baby. I need this. Now, this is interesting because God has built it into a baby to know and to respond, not from intellect, but by their very makeup that they absolutely need this milk. They're fussy until they have what they need. And then we grow up, and we're still fussy, and we don't get it. 
we need to literally, as a baby, maybe as they grow older and get hand, hand coordination, you know how, you ever, it's so cute when they, they grab the bottle and get content and they're both, they know what they need, they get fussy and they hold it, literally. As a baby knows and has the attitude, I need this, let's grab the Bible, not the bottle, <laughs> the Bible, which is, <laughs> is the word of God and it's gonna help us when we're fussy. Now literally, if, if the words aren't familiar with you and you're, you're, you haven't trained to the point where it really satisfies that fussiness, turn to God, get to know him, and as you turn to God, he is the one that will satisfy you and ask him for help to work with the fussiness that you have. Literally, all the different things we deal with, depression, anxiety, fussiness, anger, blah, 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 it goes on and on and on. By the way, in the office the other day, I just kind of, quipped and said something that I, I, it, it hit me afterwards how, how good it was. I should spread this around. <laughs> and have you noticed that everybody around us, so many of them, their fuses are so short, right? It's, and when I picture a fuse, I picture, you know, the cartoon bomb with a fuse that goes, it's like their fuses are so short, literally goes inside their brain and burns their brain. And they don't use their brains anymore. Fuse so short that it burns their brain. I like it. It's just an image that it's like, wow, haven't you seen that? People are so angry, they don't even make sense anymore with their anger. Brain is out the window. I wasn't going to go there, but I, uh, you know. So we need to learn how to have this attitude where I need this. It's what we need. It's what I need. It's what you need. So we move from attitude to appetite. I want this. Have you recognized yet that appetite is training? Think about this. Your best desires are trained desires. All right, now maybe you're not seeing this one coming, but your worst desires are also trained desires. The most dangerous desires that you started centering around and revolving around and unraveling your life are trained desires. Their appetite's gone wrong and going in the wrong direction. And the best desires that you have are also trained desires where you begin to desire the right thing more and more. So we need to make sure we get a hold of the right conforming influence, the right training that shapes us, okay? Um, this is a real sideline, but when we started with Romans 12 too, there are manuscript, manuscript variances about the verb conform, and the best manuscripts are in the passive present. And so I think the best translation, this, we don't need to argue about this, best translation is you, you will be conformed. It's gonna happen to you whether you know it or not, unless you will actually be transformed by the power of the Spirit through the training in the Word. But you have, you're actively engaged either way. The world is going to squeeze you into its mold if you're not actively training 
what's best inside of you that God wants to be trained inside of you. We get this. You know, we're trained in our appetites change. I mean, my youngest son, who's going to be 33 tomorrow, golly, my youngest son hated tomatoes as a little kid. And now, he has a farm in Missouri growing them and he eats them off the vine. It's like, that's training and it's trainable from hating tomatoes to loving tomatoes to growing tomatoes and selling tomatoes and making his living off of tomatoes. It's kind of, that's training, all right? Uh, you can train. Now, we kind of get this too. So we, we had the picture of the image of the runner down the highway, even in the opening. Long distance running, let's just picture it. You don't, you don't go from, I don't run long distance to I run really long, long distances with speed in a few workouts. If you jump too quickly to try to train too fast, you're going to never want to run again. It feels awful. Remember high school PE? <laughs> it makes you Literally, in some cases, if you're way out of shape and you think you can do this, you go beyond yourself, it makes you do things that I won't describe here because um, it's ugly. Okay, so we need to take these baby steps in training, developing an appetite for God's word and God's will. So there's attitude, I need this, appetite, I want this, and aim, I'll grow from this. I'll grow from this. So, on the screen is another quote. The aim of the Bible, the aim of Bible training is not primarily information, but transformation. We read that in Romans 12 too. The aim is not to make you a smarter sinner. The aim is to make you more like the Savior. Okay? If you're just getting information in Bible study, you're just becoming a smarter sinner. And it's more transformation that you need in this training. So why is it that some very long-time believers have never grown that much and some new believers grow very fast? Have you known some new believers? New believers. <laughs> new believers. New believers that are growing like weeds? I do. It's fun to watch. And it's fabulous to see a complete transformation and growing so rapidly and beginning to quote scriptures because it ties to their life and making an influence on those all around them. It's fabulous to watch. It's really sad to watch somebody that's been a believer for decades upon decades upon decades and they're really not that much different than when they first believed. And it always boils down to training. If you think coming to church and listening to me is going to train you, you're wrong. There has to be a connection in personal training. We're going to talk about that some more as we go. In fact, if you have the paper outline, there's a whole passage of scripture that you can study about how it's more than drinking milk over time. It's chewing solid food. Milk is pre-digested food. I'm just giving you pre-digested food. Until you begin to digest the word of God and apply it and live it on your own, all you have is somebody else's milk. Don't be looking on the internet for more and more teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. It's still pre-digested. Get 
into the word of God and train for yourself. I remember when things started to shift for me. It was my older sister who was a senior in high school, and I was a freshman in high school, and I would walk by her bedroom, and she'd be playing the guitar, and she'd be glowing in her room with this joy, and she's all alone singing these worship songs, and she would just spend time in the Word, and I would look at her, and then hear people talk about training and reading the Word, and my youth pastor tell me to read the Word. I didn't read the Word. I grew up knowing the Word. I went to Sunday school, and my mom was a teacher, I knew it better than most people. Mm -mm. It wasn't until I began to enter into the word myself and and try to apply what I'm learning that it starts to make the difference. So for some of you, is the Bible still like medicine? Tastes horrible, but it's good for you? Or is it like a, a bowl of dry, shredded wheat with no milk on it. It's like... (laughs) Super, super dry. But you know it's good for you, so you've got to eat it. What changes from that? I want to tell you about that in a moment. Okay, the moment's up. Here we go. (laughs) Psalm 19, 7 through 10. Let me read it for you. I'm reading from the CSB, so let me grab it here. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. That doesn't sound like dry shredded wheat. It doesn't sound like terrible, terrible medicine you just got to take. People can only get to the place where it's like, I can't get enough. This is so incredible. This really works. I'm so excited about this. They only get there as they train to there. So let me share with you the most important secret of getting the most out of your training in the Word. We'll finish with this quote. The mark of maturity is not how much you understand, but how much you use. In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. The opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. That's the spiritual realm. What are you going to do about that? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this series. I'm excited about it. I pray that you'd light a fire in our own personal desires to begin to obey 
different pieces that we'll be hearing over the next few weeks. That we turn to you when we're fussy. That we start looking at the fact that what we really need is you. And start growing to the place where we really want you. Want to hear from you. And want to do what you say. And want a better life. Help us to start right where we are. Because in a sense, if you just compare where you are to where we are, we're all babies. We haven't really matured. We have a long ways to go to look like Jesus. Help us in our training. Today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen.